I'm Simon, and with me as always are Toby and Bon. Hi guys. Hi Simon. Hey Simon. So, we've had a slight change of plans and shuffled things around a little bit. Uh, we will be continuing our series of shows on George W. Bush later this month, but today we're going in a slightly different direction and talking about the Oscars, that Will Smith slap, and some political chat. Uh, but first, and my co-hosts don't know about this, we're celebrating four years of doing the podcast and two years since Vaughn joined Toby and me on the show. So I just want to say a thank you to my co-hosts for the time we spent together on the show and their continued efforts to make this podcast something we're all proud of. So firstly, Toby, uh, thank you for starting this brave adventure with me and for doing a lot of the heavy lifting in our early shows. Your ability to get amazing guests has been mentioned a lot, but it's worth repeating. And I'm just sorry we haven't got you OJ Simpson yet. Um, I also want to thank you for not only getting excellent guests on the show, but also for the level of research and insight you've brought to uh, those interviews and some of the amazing questions you've asked our guests that have brought such an interesting angle to the conversations. I also just want to say that when you let go and insult someone, be that Robert F. Kennedy or the whole of Australia, it has produced some of the funniest moments on the show. And in all the time we've been doing the show, we've still yet to get into a single argument, which is more than can be said about my relationship with Vaughn. Um, so uh toby thanks for four years together and i hope we have many more still to go and also thank you for finding vaughn and bringing her into the show and into our lives uh vaughn the biggest compliment i can give you is that i can't think of the podcast without you on it um except it would probably have more richard nixon content sadly um you bring not only a fantastic level of research and professionalism to the show despite the the jokes that we make about your love for Mitt romney uh, but also a, a warmth and humanity to the show that really shines through and is so obviously missing when you're not around. Your ability to fit our show into your already busy schedule is inspiring, and I, I can't believe how lucky we are that Toby found you and added you to the show. Uh, I also just want to say that, um, kind of repeat what I said on the Joy of Star Wars podcast, uh, the growth you've shown in the last two years at, at summarizing and presenting history in a way that is both insightful and entertaining has been a joy to watch. And I just hope Ellen Schrecker doesn't decide to start a podcast and ask you to co-host because we'd never see you again. Um, so Vaughn, thank you for all your hard work over the last two years. And I hope we have many more years ahead of us. And I'm sorry for saying all those nice things to you. Um, feel free to insult me now. I'm going to cry. Thanks, Simon. That's really, really sweet. I can't believe you've been haunting my life for two years, though. <laughs> you know, it feels a lot longer, doesn't it? It really does. It's like an eternity <laughs> knowing you. Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Right. Okay. That's all the niceness uh, out of the way. Now we can go back to our normal relationship. Um, so yes, uh, part of the reason we're doing this episode is because the Oscars has been in the news recently. And the reason it's been in the news is because of the extraordinary events where Will Smith slapped Chris Rock for making a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, Chris Rock was presenting uh, the best documentary Oscar and um, decided to make some jokes about various people and he specifically made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith and um, her having a, a shaved head um, which he referred to as sort of a joke around G.I. Joe 2 which um, Will Smith did not take kindly to and went up on stage slapped him said get your get my wife's 
name out your fucking mouth, I think he said. Um, so yeah, it, it was pretty eventful. Um, so Vaughn, before we, we get into all that, you have just been um, having a little think about some other interesting moments in Oscar, in Oscar history. So do you want to uh, kick us off there? Yeah, I have kind of a, a range or selection, I guess, of just kind of some things that interest me about Oscar's history. Go for it. Um, yeah, so allegedly the Oscars are an award for artistic and technical merit. Um, whether that is the case, we can talk about more later, but that is what they are said to be. Um, they started with the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, which was formed in 1927. And the first Academy Awards were held in May, 1929 at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel uh, with about 270 people in attendance. So the cost to attend the first ceremony was $5 or around $75 today. And the ceremony lasted 15 minutes. Um, seats today go for between $150 and $750 for reference. And it's about a three hour ceremony now. Uh, so the winners of each of the 15 original categories were announced three months before the first ceremony. Uh, which quickly changed for the following year when the winners were given to newspapers at 11 p.m. after the ceremony. The statuette uh, of the Oscar was designed by MGM art director Cedric Gibbons and sculpted by George Stanley. Uh, it is 13 and a half inches tall and it weighs 8.5 pounds of solid bronze plated in 24 karat gold. The only exceptions to this are those awarded during World War II when they were painted plaster for three years. Uh, when the war was over though, and the metal shortage was ended, the Academy invited those recipients to replace their plaster awards for the gold-plated bronze ones. The librarian for the Academy, Margaret Herrick, whose library I am dying to go to in LA and the pandemic has kept me from doing this, um, but that's a sidebar. I want to go so badly. Anyway, Margaret Herrick said in 1931 that the statuette reminded her of her uncle Oscar. And that's presumably why we call it that. Um, there are several myths about how it received its name. But what we do know is that the name Oscar wasn't embraced by the Academy until 1939. Walt Disney was the first to thank the Academy in his speech for his quote, Oscar. Uh, in 1934, though. Um, because there is always a possibility of ties and multiple recipients sharing an award, especially the technical awards, such as editing, sound mixing, and costume design, um, the Academy makes more awards than are needed that are then engraved after they are given out, and any surplus awards are held in the Academy's vault until the next year's award season. There are 23 categories that are awarded today with the number fluctuating throughout its history. Um, the most recent category added was in 2001, the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature Film uh, to accompany the Academy Award for the Best Animated Short Film, which has been awarded since 1930. The Best Animated Feature Film category has been derided by the Academy, uh, its hosts, 
presenters, audience, and the general public for years, um, not least of all, just recently at the last Academy Awards when Amy Schumer made a joke about it. Um, and that's really because people don't think animation is a real medium for film, to which I say, go fuck yourself, because some of the best cinema is animated. Um, it's a medium and you can do things that you cannot do in live action. And you can show like magic and emotion and coloring and lighting in ways that reality just cannot capture. And it develops an entirely new appreciation for the visuals you're taking in. But no, it's for kids and every single one goes to Disney because everyone in the Academy just listens to their children for that category, especially um, like the inconsiderate dweebs that they are. But animation is a medium and it's a gorgeous one at that. So get wrecked Academy. Um, in 2018, a new category was proposed for best popular film which I think would be a brilliant idea because the Academy's discretion on films has always been questionable at best, um, as I just said with animation. And also it has been forever biased towards certain genres or quote unquote serious films. For instance, the Academy has a real issue with acknowledging streaming sites and their excellent cinematic releases, which was actually um, a whole debate spearheaded by a group of Academy members, including Steven Spielberg, who wanted to ban Netflix at all from being nominated. The US Department of Justice actually had to step in and warn the Academy that any restrictions against Netflix or other streaming services could result in violating antitrust laws. Um, the Academy has also been the center of numerous allegations of racism and a general lack of diversity. Since 1929, only 6.4% of all Academy Award nominees have been non-white. That number since 2001 is only 11.4%. They've also awarded several Oscars for um, actors in yellowface or performances of Asian characters written and performed by white people. So let's come up to the slap. People think that this was the most violent or disruptive display to ever happen at the Oscars, and I call bullshit on that. And also more racism. Um, if you wanna talk violence, let's talk John Wayne, that piece of shit. He is a self-proclaimed white supremacist, uh, stated proudly in 1971. And he was famous for being the cowboy and the American Duke um, and the asshole who didn't go to war, but then talked about America's place on the world stage. Like he was the one who personally like shot Hitler or something like he just, he wants to be the American. Um, and he was for a very long time, but he's just, he's a horrible person. And I could do this all day, but I'll speed it up. So in 1973 at the Academy Awards, Marlon Brando won for best actor for The Godfather. Um, and Marlon Brando boycotted the Oscars and rejected the award. And in his place, he sent Native American activist Sachin Littlefeather. Um, 
She rejected the award for him and gave an impassioned speech about Native American rights and specifically concerned with how Native Americans have been portrayed in um, Hollywood cinema and especially Westerns. And John Wayne being the king of the Westerns, he was just outraged by this display and six security guards had to hold him back from attacking um, Sachin Littlefeather. So that's violence. And if you want more violence, Elia Kazan was given an honorary Oscar in 1999. Like in 1999. Elia Kazan, uh, for those who don't know, is a director, was a director, and named names during his HUAC testimony. Um, that is violence. Telling the US government that some of your colleagues were registered communists in the 1930s, telling them that in the McCarthyist era is violence. And the Academy condoned it by honoring Elia Kazan in 1999 um, with, with this Oscar. In 2003, Adrian Brody forced himself on Hall uh, Halle Berry when he accepted his Oscar for Best Actor for The Pianist. And this just, there's so- The Roman Polanski movie, sorry. <laughs> yes, a Roman Polanski movie. Like there are so many people who should not have Oscars and whom the Academy has, has honored and awarded Oscars too for overt violence or despite their overt violence. Um, and I just, I think that that's horse shit. That's what I'm gonna say. Um, but if you guys wanna talk about the slap, let's, let's get into the slap before we go any further with the Oscars. Well, I think it's, um... We've had about a week, nearly a week now to digest what happened. And I guess I'm, I'm still struggling to fully comprehend exactly what happened, but it does at least get us speaking about the Oscars at a time where the Academy Awards has been struggling to get viewers and has been, and cinema in general is sort of struggling to um, understand its place within media and um how the Oscars is supposed to kind of communicate to a, a wider audience. Vaughn, you were saying earlier about the Academy were considering or wanting to add a popular Oscars um, um, before that was then sort of rethought about and they decided to not proceed with that following some backlash. The, the actual slap itself is kind of shocking as an event, but it, it's shocking because of who's involved and where it takes place more so than if someone made a joke about your wife and you slap them, that that's the kind of thing that could happen at a family barbecue. Um, it's the fact that it was Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Academy Awards. And I've appreciated that Chris Rock hasn't tried to drum up any attention with this. It seems like he's just, just trying to get on with his, his life. And I appreciated that he hasn't tried to make big speeches about it and he didn't want Will Smith to... Um, be arrested by the police or anything like that so I, I do appreciate that there is a separate conversation to be had about uh, 
how Chris Rock has sort of gone at uh, Jada Pinkett Smith over the years and some potentially um, disturbing relationship uh, moments between those two. Um, but the actual slap itself is just shocking because, you know, the Oscars is about, you know, comedians going up on stage and sort of giving out uh, awards and they might say something controversial to make people laugh. And it did, did appear from the photos I've seen as if Will Smith looks like he laughed initially and then saw Jada Pinkett Smith was unhappy and then got unhappy himself. So I, I, it's hard to fully understand what his natural reaction was to that and whether or not he was processing another joke before that or what actually happened. But um, yeah, I, I'm generally in favor of one millionaire slapping another millionaire for our entertainment. I think that's, that's great. Um, I think there is an element of this which has been overblown and Amy Schumer's talking about how she's like traumatized and she's going to need like a month to recover. And it's like, okay, great. You, you, you do that. You go away for a month, you know, take as many months as you want, Amy Schumer. Um, so I, I, you're also right, Vaughn, that this is not the worst thing that's ever happened at the Oscars. There are worse things that have happened at the Oscars and will continue with the Academy. Um, they could, you know, if they want to start taking away people like Kevin Spacey's Oscars, that would be a great start. Um, so we're, we're still waiting to see what's going to happen with the Academy. Will Smith has resigned from the Academy. And I think in a couple of weeks time, we're going to get the Academy basically sort of presenting what they've, what they're going to do to Will Smith as, as far as further punishment. So that might be something like he's banned from being nominated for a year or two or something like that, which is interesting because he does have a, a film coming up with Apple, um, later this year, which is uh, which has been talked about as a likely Oscar contender. Um, I think going forward, it'll be interesting to see how this impacts Will Smith's career outside of the Academy Awards. And already there's been talk about um, film he's doing with Netflix, which has been paused, and uh, same with uh, the next Bad Boys film. So personally, I I think there's probably some issue that Will Smith has to kind of work through as far as his aggression and how he sort of... Um, deals with these things but i also think there's an element of it being overblown and us um um sort of taking this too far and i, I hope will smith you know if he needs to get any help you know get that help but i also don't want will smith's career to be thrown away just because of this and also um you know it's one millionaire slapping another this wasn't 9-11 let's just kind of calm down a bit um so what, what do you guys think uh i th- i think that's well, I mean, first I'll start with with your original point about uh, Oscars viewership. It does seem to be the thing that everyone was talking about after the Oscars. People seem to be a little bit disabused of the ceremony of, you know, a few hundred millionaires going into theatre <laughs> and, you know, of fellating themselves, you know. There, there's of, a 30 uh, Rock joke which says, uh, I think one, one of them says, we need actors. Who else would present awards to other actors? Yeah. And that, that pretty, pretty much sums up the Academy Awards. Yeah, I mean, they're all like, they're all like theatre nerds who, who wanted awards and stuff. And it's the, you know, the great, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's great to for them. It's, you know, I'm too, too honest. Like, I'm, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I did uh, community theatre and stuff like that. And, you know, I, 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 I'm well acquainted with, people like this i have nothing against them and to be honest like i like the oscars uh, i mean it might have started a little bit negatively but i like that i've always liked the oscars i like the 
the pageantry you know people say it's subjective but I don't really think it's subjective I think you, you know you can get a bunch of people together and they can find out what the movie they felt the most in that in that time um and uh and yeah and I think it it, it provides a, a a different space and a different outlet for creativity and the uh the validation of creativity um in the world and and and, and people who think differently you know who don't, who don't necessarily care about business or politics can have something that's uh, to aspire to and and uh, and this created beautiful moments you know um you know what is one of my favorite moments is when amadeus won mm. and um and you know and yeah there's there's so many great moments i think for the oscars but i do think like generally in the last 20 years you can see this like in 20 uh, uh 2004 the viewership was 40 million now it's like 16 million right and uh and one thing happens one little bit of violence happens between actors and that completely sucks up everything no one's talking about what quest love did or, or who won the best um best director or best picture and it all seems secondary to this little bit of um human um confrontation that happens everywhere every day because of jokes that are even less uh significant or less uh scarring than the one that i mean i you know i have a i think i have a little bit of different opinion from from you guys on the on the joke itself i don't think the joke was particularly bad i think um even if uh chris rock knew about her alopecia he's he seems to say that he didn't know and I think he probably didn't know because he did make that documentary about uh, black women's hair and um, and seems you know m- many people Wanda Sykes, uh, Amy Schumer, Joe Rogan all the people who know Chris Rock personally have said that he's a very nice guy uh, he's um, he's conscious about black issues um, and, and, and all, all this uh, and I don't yeah I don't think the, the joke was particularly bad I, I, I do think that's and even like, you know, the issue between Chris Rock and Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith going back to 2016, where Jada Pinkett Smith was boycotting the Oscars and, and Chris Rock was like, wait, aren't you on a TV show? Like, yeah, you <laughs> wouldn't be invited anyway. <laughs> boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's like one joke. And then, you know, there's another joke now. It's not, there's not that many jokes about Jada Piggott Smith in the last few years between Chris Rock, but it's certainly something she would have remembered. And some people have gone as far as to say that uh, Chris Rock using Rihanna in the way he did for that joke was wrong. I don't know. I mean, I, I, do, I, do, I, I am sensing there is a, there's a different uh, critical community and framework that some people are using that will make jokes of any kind, you know, at a, at a major award ceremony for people in the front row who expect to be ribbed, almost impossible. And I don't know, I, I, do, I do think there's a little bit of a, of a slippery slope there, and the possibility of a slippery slope there uh, with things like that. You know, I don't know if this is gonna, if this is gonna start a culture of, you know, people at the Laugh Factory being like, okay, like, if this person said this thing about 
my mum who sat next to me, you know, he, he, he made a joke about my mum and uh, let me go up on the stage and hit the person. And I think that, I think, I, I know that comedians have some level of responsibility not to punch down. They have some level of responsibility not to isolate people and create patterns of abuse to people. Because I mean, even like simple bullying, like bullies make jokes about people. It's not like, and people remember those jokes. It's not like joking doesn't offend people or hurt people. Of course it does. But I don't think we can condone the attacking entertainers when they make jokes in at the venues at which they make the jokes. Uh, you know, if, if Will Smith had, you know, gone uh, backstage and actually done the same thing, I think I probably would have been fine with it. It's just that, you know, it's the ceremony. It's, it's, it's never been done before. You know, it, it's, to, it's to Chris Rock. There's so many things about it that, that rub me the wrong way. And I think might create a slippery slope for the culture around comedy, especially now because we are actually having a genuine argument and have been in the last 15 years, you know, with the increase in uh, female comics and transgender comics and neurodiverse comics and all this. And, uh, and the real focus on trying not to uh, punch down and educating people on, uh, on how comedy can be used in a progressive way, but also uh, how, what the limitations of comedy are. Once you start introducing violence into that, I think a lot of those kinds of arguments, they, they, you just won't be able to make them because people just won't believe uh, the benefits of, the, of your cause or the campaigns that you're, you're bringing to the table because violence exists in a different sphere to, to words, really. I mean, it just in, in, in our legal code, in our everyday lives, in our lived experience, I think it's different. And, and, I, and I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a good thing that happened, happened there. Um, yeah, and I mean, th those are, yeah, those are my beginning thoughts on it, I think. Yeah, I, I suppose I, I'm kind of torn a little bit and sort of two things are, can be both, can be true at the same time, you know, comics shouldn't be attacked, physically attacked for the same things they do. And, you know, it was wrong for Will Smith to do it, even if, you know, it is sort of a, something we make memes out of, we make jokes out of, you know, on one side that that shouldn't be the case. And, and there should also be a space where, comedians are able to make jokes about other celebrities and not have the world collapse sort of in and around it at the same time i'm just a little uncomfortable of this idea of a male comic going up on one of the biggest stages possible and making jokes about black women and it does seem sort of a like if he had made would he have made that same joke about meryl streep if she had lost her hair and she had to shave it off or emma stone or, or someone like that um I, I don't know. I, ju I just, it feels a bit uncomfortable for someone in a sort of powerful position to get up on stage and make that joke. You know, it just, it doesn't quite but he, is, right. he was making a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith, who, you know, is, I mean, <laughs> I mean, she's a, another I mean, Jada Pinkett Smith boycotting Oscars is, you know, you know, she's on a TV show, but, you know, but Jada Pinkett Smith is the wife of Will Smith. She's a public figure. She has a, I think, a TV show. Uh, and she, you know, she's she gets millions of views. She's the mother of 
famous children. She's she's a famous person. She's oh, a powerful she, person. She absolutely is, and I, I have no issue with anyone making jokes about someone like that. I, I guess it, just, it it's just uncomfortable with me about making a joke about her about her appearance and also a, a physical condition that she has as well. Mm. Um, I just, but but it's a physical condition that a lot of people have. You know, it's not like it's not like cancer. Like I mean, even bring myself up, but like I have like some holes in the back of my, my hair. And I certainly would feel bad if someone uh, said that, but it's a, like uh, black women tend to have um, alopecia at, actually at higher rates than other uh, mm-hmm. women of other races. And a lot of black women have alopecia. So it's, it's, it's a very ubiquitous thing. This is something that like, loads of people have. I, I you know, I, sure yes i don't uh, think this is it reaches the level of like even if she had cancer or she not even just cancer but something it's something else something very unique to her you know it's it's a very ubiquitous thing that that i would agree uh, it's it's there are maybe layers to this but like i say at the same time it does always seem to would he made the same joke about meryl streep or someone like that and would the audience have laughed in the same way yeah and i do think when someone like chris rock makes a joke about a black woman there is a level of entitlement to doing it i think because it's like there's a level of like familiarity that he assumes so he can step into that and 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 do that and i and i pro- and i probably think that there's you know i think no one else on this podcast is going to say that but I, I think that will smith is kind of in a similar position because of the person he picked to hit you know um you know, people say, well, if, if there was a tough comedian up there, but, you know, like if it was Will Ferrell up there, I don't know if he would have done the same thing. Oh, yeah, agreed. Um, it, it's hard to know whether or not if you'd put someone like Will Ferrell, who's, I don't know, like 6'3 or 6'4, or, you know, would he have done the same thing? I, I suppose it, 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 that's an impossible question uh, um, to, to answer. I suppose one, one of the things that I found is difficult to fully get my head around is some of the discourse that's been happening as well where it's like there was a medical doctor who on twitter was saying like if betty white had made that joke and will smith had slapped her he could have killed her we're like well one betty white's already dead and two <laughs> betty white wouldn't have made that joke and three what are, we, <laughs> what are we talking about here why are we putting hypothetical people in here then betty white died at like 99 exactly Imagine it was like yes. a hundredth birthday or something hundredth <laughs> birthday will smith gate crashes it and just physically attacks her <laughs> Oh my God! It's Will Smith with a steel chair. Yeah, exactly. Um, Vaughn, uh, any thoughts from yourself on on all this happenings? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing is don't make jokes about other people's appearances. Just like mm-hmm. flat out, like I think that's an easy bar to set. Just stop doing it. It's it has never worked out well for people. <laughs> Just stop doing it. <laughs> Don't don't make fun of someone's um, physical appearance or medical condition, whether it's known or unknown. If like Toby, you just said that that black women have a higher predominance of alopecia. Maybe if you've made a documentary on black women's hair, you might know that and you wouldn't make that joke whether you know or not that she specifically has alopecia, you know, like just don't make the joke. And I think we'd all be better off if we stopped joking about people's appearances 
and maybe it's lighthearted and just like a gentle ribbing but like don't fucking do it and I mean like like I have endometriosis right 10% of all women or 10% of all people with uteruses have um, endometriosis so it's like a pretty common thing but if if someone else was just like, oh, are you PMSing? I'd be like, you can go fuck yourself, dude. And like, I would probably slap them. So you know what I mean? Like, yeah, don't Oops. don't make a joke about somebody's medical condition or their appearance. Just don't do it. Especially um, on Oscar stage where there, there there's no ability for you to like to clap defend back yourself. at them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, Will Smith did clap back, but he did quite quite literally. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna condone or condemn will smith on this one because mm -hmm. it's not my place to um i do think the academy is in the wrong absolutely in the wrong for immediately tweeting that they don't condone violence because that's some okay. bullshit and it's well documented bullshit um as i said with some of the earlier examples and also i mean if you want to get structural with it um talking about power dynamics within Hollywood and how many Oscars are under the Harvey Weinstein uh, name and his production company and everything. I think there are 83 Oscars that are tied to Harvey Weinstein. Are you going to take all of those back? Mm -hmm. Are we going to talk about the structural issues where um, certain actresses or actors get roles based on their connections and networking and the power dynamics that are exploited to get them into roles. Um, well, I think that's a little different with, uh, with the Harvey Weinstein thing, because it would be like, I mean, I don't know what happened with OJ's Heisman trophy. Maybe they took it away, but it would be like that. It wouldn't be it, the, the, the analogy would be like if OJ like, you know, was assaulting other you know, NFL players or something like that it would be it's, it's much it's much more what will smith is much more direct it's certainly less significant I mean, yeah than, than what harvey weinstein did but will smith definitely but i'm talking about yeah. the academy saying they don't condone violence because they absolutely fucking do and they award violence they award violence by awarding the the oscars to harvey weinstein connected people or to roman polanski in like 2003 and um yeah, he wasn't even allowed in the it wasn't like this was some sort of thing that came out like afterwards yeah that, that was weird well, we were aware and, and they, they were they allowed the in camera, the country they put the camera on like um on actors and directors and, and they no and directors and, and directors seem quite happy with that you know like they were making <laughs> some progressive statement like you know we could look at us you know but yep. i know it was a it was a different time uh right <laughs> i just like they've Hollywood has its power dynamic issues, and we are all very, very aware of that, especially now. And every every Oscars ceremony since 1929 is affected by that, by structures of racism or structures of um, gender power structures, um, misogyny, all of those things. Like we, if the Academy is going to come out and say we don't condone violence then they need a much longer statement in my opinion and that's the thing that i have the biggest issue with around all of this that i mean 
it's it, that is the most performative part of it I think the academy trying to get some good graces out of this and it's like you you are in no fucking standing to yeah. absolutely damn violence or uh, ugh. yeah I, I have a real problem with the academy I, I'm, I'm completely with you uh, I, I agree with what Toby said earlier where it's like I can enjoy this as like entertainment and as as pageantry and at the same time, just be like, yeah. the academy can go fuck itself for a lot of the time just because of the decisions they make or, or don't make and how they have presented and not um, removed, um, you know, awards from people or not given them awards or, yeah, there's a whole separate issue with the academy, completely separate to what happened with Will Smith. And yeah. I think yeah. it, it's interesting that there'll be more uh, severe with Will Smith's punishment than they will be for crimes that are far worse um, that have happened. Um, crimes so. that are far, far worse. Like, yes. it, I, I can't even wrap my mind around the Academy trying to take a moral stand on this because yes. they have they have no moral standing. And they, as I said at the, at the top, this like the award is allegedly for, for merit in artistic expression or, or whatever phrases they use. Um, but it's not even that because most of the time it's it's quote unquote merit based on power structures and somebody is being exploited. Tons of people in fact are being exploited and not recognized. And in this very violent system within Hollywood that uses and abuses people. and. Like we can, we can be proud of a film and a filmmaker and for getting to that point and getting an Oscar. And like, it does, it does mean something. There is some gravitas to it, but for the Academy to grandstand and try and take a moral high ground on this is really just a, if that is what leaves a bad taste in my mouth after all of this, like Will, Will slapping Chris, as both of you said, this could happen on the street or on back of the stage or at mm-hmm. a family barbecue and we wouldn't bat an eye but because it was on stage and live streamed or broadcasted people are like all up in arms about it yeah and, and it's, yeah, it, it's, it's also uh, probably the, the only time a lot of these people have ever seen a real human interaction because they just live in a bubble which is completely yeah. unrelated to the, the real world that's funny people in that theater thought it was fake as well yes some of them did see, yeah, I, I, see them behind like uh, until he started shouting then. yeah i think it was the swearing that like tipped yeah. them off that okay oh, maybe this is actually um that's the other thing that people are like it's a conspiracy theory and that's just hurting me that's hurting my brain because please stop not everything's a goddamn conspiracy theory and also not everything <laughs> does need comment like <laughs> there's a thing with like a with uh, Chris Rock's cheek and there's like an airbag people have like drawn an airbag there so that he, <laughs> when he was slaps and and the skin is kind of lifted yeah it's yeah people are crazy people are, I don't know I don't I know thought, what I the thought... agenda is as well. Like, oh, oh, I guess it's like the, the Oscars uh, ratings. So. Yeah, I don't know like, what what that would do for Chris Rock and what that would do. For, I mean, for Chris Rock, his his um his tickets have gone up, but he's Chris Rock. His his tickets were very high, and it's, it almost ruined Will Smith's career. Really, he's, yeah. I mean, it very much could. I mean, for um, for all we know, what Will Smith's gonna ha- be like a complete. He probably is not gonna get nominated for that film. 
Um, no, I, I, I think, I think they'll ban him. He, for he's probably not going to be able to present that uh, best um, uh, actress yeah, award next year either. No, they'll have to dig up someone else to to do that instead. Um, yeah, I imagine. I I wonder if there will be a classic case of Will Smith will be kind of prior and then he'll sort of have a, a late stage sort of come back. That, that'll be interesting to see. Put out a new album. Yeah, put out a new album. Uh, Big Willie style too. <laughs> and that's, I suppose the other angle of this is like people have been talking about the relationship between Jada Pickett Smith and Will Smith and the open relationship. I, to be yeah. honest, like for, for, I think for highly misogynistic re- reasons, People have been attacking uh, Will Smith's uh, allowing uh, Jada Pinkett to have this relationship with um, August Alsina and uh, the public um, the, the the public way uh, Jada talked to Will about uh, that. Um, you know, certainly, Jada and Will have made that the business of everyone. They've made it public, right? So it's not <laughs> like this isn't anyone's business. It is. But I think a lot of men, you know, even African American men, are very uncomfortable with the with the power that they seem to think that she has in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Completely forgetting that for twenty years, Will Smith has been linked to this star, Halle Berry, uh, Margot Robbie, all these people, all this long list of um, extramarital affairs. Rumors of extramarital affairs, which means there, there almost certainly is more that he's been involved in. And then once, you know, Jada Pinkett Smith comes out uh, and starts saying, that, you know, she's also been involved in extramarital affairs, they start treating Will as if he's not a man or, you know, some, some sort of pariah and things like that. It's very, yeah, some things have been read into this, um, read into their relationship is very strange and just isn't. I don't know, it isn't an accurate reading or, you know, as accurate as one can have from what's been put out of, of, of their relationship at all. Yep, I think that's a good point. And we definitely won't ask Vaughn about any relationship she has with Will Smith. Um, I, right. I do want to comment on that, actually. Yeah, go, go um, for it. Bob. Thank you for bringing that up, Toby, because I agree with you. I think it is for highly misogynistic reasons that people are kind of attacking Will on it. And one thing that we are not here for is attacks on polyamorous or non-monogamous people, because that's a very legitimate way to live your life and have relationships. And there's no right or wrong way to be intimate um, or to have romantic relationships. And I think all of that discourse, just that that makes me more mad than anything else related to this because it's none of your fucking business to be making those jokes about their personal relationship and yes they have made it public but like it's still their personal relationship you can't project onto that or read into it or like throw around these rumors about who's having what affair if if they're okay with it, if they have this this open relationship that's agreed upon between the two of them, then it's no one else's place to say that that's right or wrong. And that all of that resurfacing because of this slap was really... What is wrong with us? Why are we fucking like this? 
don't joke about people's appearance, appearances, their medical conditions, or their personal relationships on that level. You know what I mean? That's, that's all I wanted to say about Will Smith, I think. Okay, let, let's move on. Um, there was some other stuff around the, the Oscars that we were going to touch upon before we move on to some politics. Is that right? Yes. Um, there's, there's one other thing that you guys might know, but I did not know. Um, and I found it very interesting. So this kind of little known fact about the Oscars is that the winners don't legally own the Oscar statuette that they win. Did you guys know that? I did not, no. Yeah. So since uh, the 1950s, the statuettes have formally been on loan to the winners because of an encumberment law. Um, so the full text of the Academy's regulations on this issue reads like this, quote, Academy Award winners have no rights whatsoever in the Academy copyright or goodwill in the Oscar statuette or in its trademark uh, and service mark registrations. Award winners must comply with these rules and regulations. Award winners shall not sell or otherwise dispose of the Oscar statuette, nor permit it to be sold or disposed of by operation of law without first offering to sell it to the Academy for the sum of $1. This provision shall apply also to the heirs and assigns of Academy Award winners who may acquire a statuette by gift or bequest. So they have to offer to sell the statuette back to the Academy for $1 and if they refuse these regulations, the Academy keeps the Oscar. Um, according to the Academy's general counsel, the regulation is to keep winners from, quote, exploiting the significance of the award and diluting its artistic value, end quote. Which, like, sure, yeah, I guess. Um, but the Academy has also actively sued people and won a major lawsuit in 2015 against Carol Surtees, for trying to sell her father-in-law's cinematography award for the bad and the beautiful from 1953. Hmm. So this rule um, was made in 1951. So every Oscar before that is eligible to be sold without the Academy interfering. Um, a famous example of this is in 1999 when Michael Jackson purchased the best Oscar, best picture Oscar for Gone with the Wind from 1939 for $1.54 million. So my question for you guys, if you could have any Oscar, barring this, this sales rule from 1951 onwards, um, whose would you want and for what? Uh, I, I definitely know. There's this, I, would, uh, I would take Kevin Cosner's Oscar for Dances with the Wolves and I would give it to Martin Scorsese, that's what I would do. <laughs> I was wondering if you do something like that, Toby. Yeah, I was thinking about taking Robert Redford's one for ordinary people, <laughs> but I, I got too much love for Robert Redford, so yeah. I was wondering if you do that, or if you do the driving Miss Daisy one and give it to uh, uh, give it to do the right thing um, instead. But um, yeah, that that's a good pick. Uh, I I was actually thinking I'll take John Williams's uh, Star Wars score just so Vaughn can't. Oh, have you it. bitch! I knew no, you were gonna say no. that. I knew you were gonna <laughs> say it word for word so Vaughn couldn't have it. I hate you. So I actually put together um, a list of five nominees, which I wasn't, which I'll then pick from. But I, I specifically didn't pick that one because I, I didn't actually want to take it away from Vaughn because I don't actually hate her that much. 
Um, so I was thinking either, I thought the Pulp Fiction one that uh, Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery got was quite an important Oscar, just on the screenplay level and has aged quite well. Um, John Williams' second Oscar for Jaws. He got his first for Fiddler on the Roof. He won at the 76 Oscars for Jaws, which I think is a very famous um, score. Um, the 2017 Oscars Best Picture winner was Moonlight and was obviously caught up with all that controversy around them announcing the wrong name. And so I think it'd be cool to have the, the Best Picture one from there because A, it's a really good film, and then B, there was all the controversy around that. Um, the Best Supporting Actor um, Award Heath Ledger won for The Dark Knight, um, posthumously. Um, again, just a very famous performance, and um, I think that'd be cool to have. And then I was trying to think of a best picture one. So I went with Bong Joon-ho's uh, Oscar, the 2020 Oscars for Parasite. Um, he was the first director um, to uh, basically achieve best director and best film or either of those awards for a foreign language film. So um, again, just a really cool award and um, yeah, a great director. So I would probably go with the Moonlight one just because, well, it, it was until the Will Smith slap, probably the most famous Oscar um moment or recent, recent history just because they couldn't they they couldn't read out the right name and then there was a whole palaver and it became a whole thing so i'd probably take that one um but there were a number of uh, diff uh, difficult ones to choose from but i'll, I'll go with the uh, moonlight's best picture oscar from 2017 vaughn you want moonlights because you're a messy bitch who loves drama yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um so I was thinking, I was thinking about this and I maybe want My Fair Lady from 1964 because I just really loved that movie. Oh, nice. Was, that was like one of my favorite, that, that was my first favorite kind of old film that I saw. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe The Best Years of Our Lives, 1946, uh, because that's the one that stole it from It's a Wonderful Life. I'd I, I melt it down. <laughs> um, or Chicago from 2002. <laughs> I can't believe you care about that stuff. <laughs> All the way back then. Wow. It's, well, it still hurts. Still hurts. Um, <laughs> Chicago from 2002, because Chicago is one of my favorite films. Um, just period. I think it's an absolutely perfect musical. And then obviously John Williams' best original score for Star Wars. Um, I would Which want I, that. I've already I've already taken and flushed down the toilet. So sorry, Paul. I <laughs> hate you. I would Finding Nemo that. Oscar. <laughs> um, I'd probably just like sleep with that one every night. Just like kiss the little Oscar on its head. I think from the older ones, I could I would buy would probably be the All, All About Eve one. I know oh, Sunset okay. Boulevard came out in the same year, which was a pretty good year. But All About Eve is like this um this young. Um, budding theater actress who's obsessed with the famous theater actress and she dreams of winning the award but being accepted into the you know the, the community of theater actors and they make some you know the preamble is all about this community and the and the grace and the ceremony to be and but then during the movie her road to becoming that is just being a bitch to the to the main actress and like do, making so many political moves to like bring her down and and diminish her as a person and uh, and she manages to do it yeah so that's my uh it's my favorite uh pre oh nice pre-1951 uh, one which i think i could i could actually own right i could you could uh, yeah you could actually you take could that own that. Yeah. i could get best years of our lives and melt it down 
and I'll do the same to John Williams as Star Wars. No, You're a um, dirty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anything else we want to um, touch upon with the Oscars before we move on to politics? Nah. No, we good. Okay, so talking about messy bitches, we're now on to the world of politics. Um, so I guess we'll start with the Supreme Court uh, nomination of Katanji Brown-Jackson and um, the ceremony or the proceedings that have been going on um, with um, her being <laughs> interviewed by some wonderful human beings, specifically um, on the, the right, um, asking her about how religion plays into her role and um, certain sentencing that she did and... Um, We've also now got the news that Suzanne Collins is confirmed that she's actually going to to vote for her, um, which basically means that her confirmation is going to be likely and that she she will get on the Supreme Court. So um, you guys got any sort of thoughts just on the A, on the nomination of Katanji or B, on just how things have played out recently? I think just on Susan Collins, I think um, she was pro-Kavanaugh. And um, and when she was coming out, I think... uh, H.W. Bush, uh, you know, in, in his last days was saying that it was, uh, it was actually very good that, that she was doing that. So, you know, again, Su- Susan Collins, the example of uh, a centrist, but really yep. you know, not, you know, not a good person. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, and this uh, Katanji Brown, it, you know, it's, it's the less, uh, obviously less fanfare than the, the Kavanaugh and the Gorsuch uh, stuff. But no, it's, it's very interesting. I think um, on the Republican side, you know, like Lindsey Graham has just been been acting like a, I don't know, <laughs> like just like a, a child. He's been talking about how, you know, well, the leftists support you and, you know, the, the, uh, they, you know, they, they attacked Kavanaugh. He's, he's, he's just talking about Kavanaugh a lot. Um, some other Republicans have obviously been bringing up Roe versus Wade. And trying to get her on that, you know, saying that, um, you know, they've been talking about the Supreme Court as an activist court and, uh, and say, you know, they tried to push her to, to say whether or not, um, you know, the, the right to abortion was actually in the Constitution, which obviously she, she said wasn't um, uh, as well. So, yeah. And, and then obviously there's been this focus on her court cases to do with um to do with pedophilia and the 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 downloading of pe- uh, pedophilic material, and I think in all of eight eight of those cases, all of those pe- people have gone to prison, but she didn't have them, you know, like uh, uh, flayed and thrown off a cliff. So you know, the Republicans are very very annoyed uh, by it. It get all of it. It's it's just procedural, really. You know, I mean, uh, McConnell and the Republicans have looked to push uh, push back against it as. as possible and to oppose it but again it's just like i think this whole thing is kind of theater really i don't know i mean i feel like uh she's she's a good justice and she's going to get through and it's it's good for the country but uh yeah mostly it's it's been it's been theater i think the reason why it became a story is well obviously it's important but people have been picking out specific incidents that have happened like um especially, uh, you know, with uh, Josh Hawley and Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz and other Republicans who've been bringing up things like CRT. And 
but you know it, again it's just you know we, she's gonna get get through um and, and and it's just it's more of a theater piece you know like kind of like the oscars really uh, Vaughn, any thoughts yeah sorry it it definitely is a theater piece but i mean like the oscars it's dehumanizing a black woman and it's what the fuck are we doing again why are we allowing ted cruz to ask one of the most qualified people who has ever been nominated to the court why why is he asking her are babies racist like what it's just fucking abysmal that her triumph and her achievement of like being a nominee for the supreme court and she's 51 like she's pretty young for a supreme court nominee and she's achieved so much in her life and it's just being overshadowed by all of these republicans who just want a soundbite for their election campaign and it's like why are we so awful why are all of these senators so awful? Why do they have to do this? Because everybody knows she's probably going to get through. Suzanne Collins, um, she voted for her on the D.C. district courts a couple years ago, or last year, rather. Um, so did Lindsey Graham. Like, they're, they're probably going to vote for her, but Lindsey Graham has already said he's not going to because of uh because it's an election year and he can't have that on his record even though it's on his record that he has already voted for her for confirmation for a high court position and it's all just theater and bullshit and at the expense of her reputation and respect for her and also at at the expense of the country because this discourse is just exhausting. Watching them make absolute abject fools of themselves, trying to explain what CRT is when they have no fucking idea what it is, and just trying to get buzzwords in while seated in the Senate building so that they can have that clip for their ad. Like, it's just exhausting and embarrassing. And it really pisses me off because she's, she's incredible. She absolutely deserves this. Um, and they're making a mockery of her and it's just really, it's really disappointing. Yeah. And, and, and there's a little bit of foreboding in it as well, because with the Roe uh, v. Wade questions that are being brought up in the, you know, um, in the confirmation of a new Supreme Court, many people think that the Dobbs um, case might actually overturn uh, and she's obviously she's being forced to say that if that does happen and that does become precedent she will have to live by that law as right. well so yeah so it's, it, again it's like um this is it's very important that she gets on the on the court uh it, it would be important if some of the republican uh judges maybe you know like fall asleep or die i don't know you know that'd be that'd be good as well and we could get some uh <laughs> we could get some more people like her but uh yeah yeah i think i think it's like uh it's important that she's on the courts and uh and i, I obviously like uh cory booker um 
just on the other side, you know, he's been very, very nice to her. A little infantilizing, in my opinion, in the way he's <laughs> talked. But obviously, yeah. it's it's uh, historically very significant. I mean, there are only a couple of women on the court ever, and she's the first black woman on the court. There's only been a couple black men on the court, you know. And uh, but yeah, you know, like you know, he in the way he's talked to to her is you know, like it's just very important. You know, is this feeling of it's reverence but it was also a little too touchy-feely it's you know this is a procedural uh process um you know i'm yeah I, i'm not i'm not mad at it i think i think cory book is actually good for a venue like this um and in terms of her style of uh jurisprudence she's nailed down that her methodology is about being as neutral as possible she's you know again yeah. She's a judge. She interprets the law and uh, uses the law to, to make, uh, you know, to, to make cases and to and to rectify things. She's not uh, an activist or, you know, a political activist and, and, and things like that. But the truth is, she is. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, again, this is another part of the whole theater. Right. So. Uh, you know, we're going through the process of someone who's definitely going to be confirmed, and uh, people are—you know—Ted Cruz is talking about babies and racist babies and CRT, and Lindsey Graham is 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 talking about Kavanaugh and other people are talking about Roe v. Wade. All of this thing is just is just theater. But even her expression of where she's going politically is is kind of theater as uh, as well. So yeah. yeah. But what job interview isn't like? Mm-hmm. Oh no, yeah. I mean, she's she's very she's better than me at job, job interviews. I've I've had like fifty job interviews uh, today <laughs> in my life, and uh, yeah, I, I, rarely am I as you know is is quick and lucid and emotive and you know trying to get the the panel behind me and all this. You know, I'm, I'm far more entitled than uh, than she is. Uh, so yeah, yeah, and it's cool that we finally found a use for Corey Brewer so that's that's, um, that's cool um so um the um one thing I was gonna say was um the Suzanne Collins like if a Republican did a Republican judge did die I could just imagine Suzanne Collins being the type who would actually be like oh no no, I can't vote for them because it's like I don't want to be too political on this like Mm -hmm. as soon as as soon as like Suzanne Collins does something of like eking out something which it might be good she would immediately sort of run back and do something bad so yeah um right okay uh, is there anything else on katanji or do you want to uh, move on to the shit show that's happening between biden and putin and, and trump um 16 law professors at brigham young university in utah uh endorsed her nomination and said in a letter, quote, we find it worthy of note that Judge Jackson understands and values the freedom of religion, uh, end quote. And it was directed like solely at Romney, um, who has not decided which way he will vote yet. Um, But I thought that was very funny that Brigham Young had to write a letter specifically for Romney. (laughs) You (laughs) don't have a word with Romney on on this one. Can you not have a word with Romney on this? I, I, I've tried, but he hasn't been responding to my texts. Also, there is a think piece about the comparisons of Will Smith and 
Peter Jackson, who is Katanji Brown Jackson's husband. Uh, I saw that, um, yes. Yeah. I, so I subsequently jumped off a bridge after I saw that headline. Yeah. We've failed everything. We're <laughs> awful, <laughs> awful people. Anyway, speaking yeah. of awful it's people. It's been a dark week, I think. Yeah. It's been a, a dark week. Yes, yeah. talking about awful people, Joe Biden. Um no. Um <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I don't want to go too much into the war um, that Russia has waged against Ukraine because it is a, a, a genuinely terrible thing and it has like disrupted lives and, you know, we're talking about the deaths of like thousands of people and, and you know, it, it's, it's, this is like genuine news rather than us joking about the Oscars. So I don't want to dive too much into that, but I guess on a, on a political side, what's interesting is Biden has tried to speak out against Putin and, and tried to use sort of harsh language around um, Putin being a war criminal. And I think he's, he's talked about how Putin is sort of um, self-isolating away from his, his generals and his advisors. And he's not really sure of actually what's going on in the Ukraine. And then at the same time, you have Donald Trump, ever with the timing, is basically asking, publicly asking Putin for help in getting dirt on the Bidens, um, which is, you know, just classic Donald Trump. So, um, guys, do you have any thoughts on on this? Let's be honest. This is less serious than the stuff we were talking about before. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, who was looking for, for Ukraine yeah. and Putin? You know, like, I remember, like, uh, maybe four weeks ago, I was so enamored with the Ukraine and, you know, I was learning all the different cities, mm-hmm. all the fronts. And I thought, oh, this is it. This is. And then I was listening to a podcast. I think it was the Bulwark. And they said, well, you know, we hopefully there won't be any other stories that take away people's attention <laughs> from this. And I was like, no, that's impossible. And as soon as Chris Rock got slapped, I was like, what? What's Ukraine? Like, I don't. It's like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would even contact people who were talking about Ukraine. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, you look crazy. Like, this is a story that's important right now. It's Will Smith. So, uh, okay, we're back to Ukraine and Putin and wars. Okay. I mean, at least you can have some entertainment from it, Toby. You know, you can put all the actual, like, terrible shit that's going on to one side and be like, okay, I don't want to dive into that too much. At least we can sort of, at least Trump is now bringing the Trump quality to it, where he's publicly asking the the people that were basically at war with to bring up dirt on uh, Joe Biden, which. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like um, Trump, he trivializes everything that he touches. So mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it becomes more, uh, more, you know, insignificant, I think. It's a really interesting quality. So yeah, I've still got to ask you, we haven't spoken about this at all since uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, are we still open for business with regards the Kremlin uh, paying us for political messages or not? Well, and I, I have to say we have we are because um, the ruble is bouncing back. Sanctions have not hurt. My only issue was that I didn't think Putin could pay us. I didn't think he could uh, <laughs> put up the money. Uh, I didn't think they had enough money. But now, <laughs> but now that I know that they do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're still we're still open for for that. Um, if Putin Putin needs any, you know, podcasting or po- podcasting PR or uh, any kinds of assistance of that kind, no, we're, we're absolutely absolutely. We are yeah, not we though. Actually, 
we didn't turn our back on North Korea, so we're not turning our back on Russia. I think that's what no, I don't think that's our policy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think we're good with genocide or um Simon, didn't you design that, that last video for, for North Korea about the, the it did, yes. I'm I'm the one who put together basically the a music gun one. Yeah, no, they, like, yeah, it was supposed to stylistically be scarier, but Simon had this great idea. Like if it looked like a commercial for like you know something stupid it would be played everywhere and i think exactly the message would get out to the western world if we started having north koreans sort of doing i don't know like star wipes in their videos showing yeah. off their missile launches it's, it's what the people want sorry von you were gonna gonna speak there on our pro russia media stance dear god oh god my morals just leaving my body um <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's a truly truly heartbreaking and horrible time um and i respect that we're not going to weigh in really on the war as it's happening because none of us are experts and our voices would not do anything for that conversation um apart from us saying that it is a horrible situation and we should be listening to the experts um when we do read and listen to information about it um in terms of just u.s politics and policy biden's kind of gaffe that uh putin cannot remain in power the the white house was was trying to get him to walk it back um where he said this in poland last week i believe and they were trying to get him to walk it back and Kamala Harris has really uh, kind of distanced herself from that statement specifically. And Biden said he's not, he's not willing to walk it back, but he is not articulating a policy change or call for regime, regime change. Um, he's just expressing moral outrage, which I think is fair, but like, it's a pretty big statement. Uh, for the president of the United States to just kind of slip up and say, but fair enough, he's human, Freudian slip. Putin cannot remain in power. I agree with that. Um, I just hope it doesn't have any kind of consequences for the US uh, if Putin does decide to react to that. You guys um, worry that Mayor Pete is going to try and take over if if there is a sort of power vacuum in Russia? Um, <laughs> do, you, do you think do you think we could be looking at the new new head of Moscow? Well, they say you know if if the war fails in Ukraine, there there may well be a regime change in Russia. So yeah, yeah. There's a there's a job. Uh, there's a job the going. Opening, uh... <laughs> we need an ambitious. <laughs> I don't know ambitious. which job site uh, he goes on for that one. But he's he's young. Probably... He's ambitious. He's got military experience. I mean, I think Russia could do a lot worse than turning to Mary <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! And you know, I, I do have to say that I think Biden, in terms, the overall, I think he's doing well. You know, uh, in terms of Ukraine, um, you know, he's kind of he's unified the NATO and EU alliance uh, against Russia. Uh, the sanctions, you know, although you know, Putin are trying to make the economy sanction proof. The sanctions are hurting people. If people were saying that Roman Abramovich. You know, he wasn't close to Putin or, you know, because he's been sanctioned very heavily with Chelsea mm-hmm. Football Club and his and his um, estate holdings in, in London. But he's now negotiating for the Russian government in mm-hmm. Turkey. 
And Turkey is the main venue for the negotiation. So Roman Vanovich is like one of the top diplomats, apparently. I thought he was like just like a, a secondary guy. But again, I mean, yeah. he got all his money from, I think, didn't, didn't he sell, didn't he, when he got his money, like in the 90s, didn't he like buy some state-owned goods or something from Russia for like 100 million and then like a decade later sold it off for like 14 billion? Yeah, that's yeah, just, I think, that, yeah. That's, how I think that's exactly what he did. This is, a, yeah. That's a lot of what the the plutocrats in Russia uh, mm-hmm. were doing uh, at that time, and that's how you know a lot of them became became very wealthy. And he and he is a governor of like one of the cities in, in Russia mm. as well, but he spends most of his time in London. But now, but apparently, he's really really close. Some people have call, even called him the the checkbook of the of, yeah. of Putin's government, which is really interesting. But yeah, I think um, overall, you know. Um, I think the combined response has deterred uh, deterred China. They haven't really made statements towards, you know, any kind of um, more aggressive alliance with 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 Russia. Um, military aid pipeline has functioned quite well. Um, new if Soviet-made weapons are being sent to Ukraine. And uh, yeah, and Zelensky is um, he's done you know quite well in America, ingratiated his his himself to the American people, you know a, a politician with no policies in his election. American people love that, definitely. And uh, um, obviously Sean Penn really likes him as well. But no, but overall, I think in terms of the Biden administration, I think Biden administration has done really well actually in terms of. Uh, alliance, uh, the economy, and uh, military aid is done quite well. And what even helps that is that the Republicans don't seem to have a unified front on this, really. So you have yeah. Lindsey Graham. You know, even when I used to do some international relations stuff, Lindsey Graham used to come up all the time in in media monitoring because he's like, you know, he's really significant in terms of foreign policy. And you have Lindsey Graham shouting about Ukraine. You know, potentially being an aggressor pre the pre Crimea of trying to get America involved in on offensive for the Ukrainians against Russia. So you have that side of it, McConnell, even Kevin McCarthy, but you have other sides of the Republican Party like Trump, who don't care at all, who are praising Putin, who once Putin made the decision to go in, were praising Putin, Putin's guile and his genius. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Republican spokespeople and and uh, television uh, pr- programmers, you know, people like Candace Owens, actually propagating lies about Ukraine and and, and other people talking about the Ukrainian government being take o- taken over or run by Nazis and things like that within the Republican Party. For the first time, the Republican Party does not have a unified front on this war, even like the the largest and most significant television Republican voice, uh, Tucker Carlson, has been completely against uh, any kind of uh, American intervention and uh, strategic help for the Ukrainians at all, at all. So you just don't have a unified front uh, from the Republicans while Biden is, is slowly you know, building up a, a decent, recognizable strategy, bringing in a number of different countries together and, uh, and and actually giving the Ukrainians some assistance. So when Republicans say, well, Biden isn't doing enough, they can't really look in, in their whole camp and actually see a unified front to really make those kind of arguments. 
against Biden. So I think he's I think he's done well. It is interesting, though, isn't it? Like we still have people on Fox News like basically camping out for Russia. Isn't that just a really weird situation to be in? Just th- think of where the world is and think of how how divided America. Like we can't even have like uh, as you say, Toby. We can't even have like an American front, which is like kind of all against Putin. It's like. Uh, Putin's still paying some of our guys, so they, they might be on his side, but like maybe 76% of America is against Putin. It's, yeah, it's, it's just weird. Um, is there anything else we want to add here, or should we move on to our last couple of stories? So, um, last meaningful story then is Disney and the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. Um, this has been all over the news recently, and we've seen Disney try its best to um, <laughs> walk back some statements and deal with some fallout. Uh, basically, Ron DeSantis and Florida have decided to pass a bill that, um, I'm not sure on the exact details, but it's along the lines of, of st- stopping schools speaking about um, certain sex education, which in- involves you know talking about um, people of, of, of different... Um, sexualities or, or genders and uh, and it's an attempt again to sort of as the bill has been uh, the slogan for it is don't say gay essentially um as as you can imagine this is not going down well with you know normal human beings and some of those normal human beings work at disney and were very unhappy that um disney had been well i mean they had been donating money to um to Republican politicians in Florida for, for years now. Disney is is basically the, the largest employee employer in Florida, and they have huge political influence across both sides. And um, so that that hasn't kind of gone down well when you've got these kind of uh, bills passing. But at the same time, uh, Repub- the Disney was initially kind of silent on um, speaking out against this bill and against the Republican Party. Um, we're in a situation where Disney's CEO, Bob Chapek, has kind of been mishandling this, along with other um, things that have been happening around Disney for the last year. And he's been under a lot of pressure um, to deal with things in a, a much better way. He, he took over from Bob Eisner um, a year or so ago and has really been struggling. And there have been rumors that I think his contract's up in a year and he might not even um, see out his time um, if things kind of continue to go the way they are. So Disney employees um, had a, a large protest um, against not just the Don't Say Gay bill, but Disney's handling of um, these types of issues. I think there was a, an issue where um, the upcoming Buzz Lightyear film had a scene cut by Disney executives because it included a gay kiss and th- those types of things. To give some context on that, the initial statement from, from Bob Chapek and Disney was like, well, we're not going to sort of politically stop or campaign against this bill. What we're going to do is we're going to try and, you know, unite people by, you know, showcasing, you know, gay people with our, our talent and our stories and our media. And then people at Disney were like, well, you're not doing that because you're literally cutting out scenes. Anyway, uh, Disney have now kind of walked that back and they're saying, no, oh, you know, we were fully against this and this bill should never have passed and all this kind of, you know, stuff you do after the fact when it doesn't really matter. And now Republicans are very upset that Disney is woke and th- there's been talk about 
Republicans going after Disney and the, the sort of special privileges that they have within um, within Florida to kind of regulate their, their parks by themselves and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot going on and it involves Disney who are terrible and it involves Republicans who are terrible and it involves Florida. And when you combine Republicans in Florida, you get a special kind of hell. So guys, have you got any thoughts on this apart from just things are shit? Yeah, I've got a ton. Go for it, Vaughn. Um, <clears throat> the one, the uh, bill that was signed into law, um, it states specifically, just to get that out there, mm -hmm. uh, that, quote, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards." End quote. Um, I, we know how I get with rants on education, so I won't go too hard into it, but this is just one in a whole line of bills and laws that are trying to infringe on what teachers can do in their classrooms in the States. Um, and that's an absolutely terrible thing that we need to stop doing. Um, all of these laws about banning books and movements to ban books, uh, banning certain things that you can and cannot teach. Um, it's really disheartening and it's very reminiscent of McCarthyism. Uh, one of the kind of lesser talked about um, issues with McCarthyism in, in wider circles is the pressures on academia and on public education that McCarthyism put because um, as we talked about with the 1776 commission um, and probably a few other places here and there, people view communism as being purported by these violent, evil teachers and university professors um, trying to indoctrinate people into the communist ideology that's akin to fascism. And like, that's all bullshit. It's not true. Um, we talked about this a bit with Ellen Trecker actually. And um, she and I had a conversation about it after too, that what's happening right now with all of these bills and laws and movements against teachers and trying to get parents to have more um, power in their children's education is a really dan dangerous thing that is reminiscent of McCarthyism. Um, but there's a little bit of hope because we are seeing some solid resistance from teachers, especially those in Florida. Um, there was one thing that went around recently on Twitter um, of, I believe a kindergarten teacher had written a letter for her students to take home to their parents that said, in accordance with this law, um, I'm gonna remove every gendered, uh, noun and pronoun from my classroom. So 
if you want us to comply with this law, then that means that you will only be referred to as the parent or guardian of the child. Um, every child and every person is going to have they, them pronouns. Um, we, we will only use non-gendered terms for um, different occupations and things whenever it comes up in content in the classroom and that this teacher was going to get rid of every book that has a gendered pronoun or the words mother or father because those imply sexual relations to have children. And that like small bit of resistance is actually something that's really, really incredible to see um, and was not necessarily there in McCarthy in the McCarthyist era, you definitely had people fighting back against it. But I think like social media is a really great thing for this type of resistance um, to get that kind of message out there of malicious compliance. Um, malicious compliance is a really wonderful kind of tool to use in the face of these laws that are written purposefully vaguely because we all know what it's targeting. We all know that they're targeting um, homosexuality and uh, or anything that's not heteronormative, um, transgender people, all of all of these sorts of um, identities and orientations that Republicans don't want you talking about. But if we're going to do that, then we're going to do it fully. And it's actually going to be a very progressive law where everyone is they them. And and we don't have this this issue of misgendering or any of those things because nothing exists then. And that was your call, Republicans. So I think that's really wonderful. Um, there's also the other day, the GLAAD organization, G-L-A-A-D, um, the, the president and CEO, CEO of it, Sarah Kate Ellis, um, gave a speech at the Beverly Hilton Hotel to some Hollywood executives and, and he, uh, elites the other day and she said don't wait until you're in the hot seat there's no more time to sit on the sidelines we need hollywood on the front lines fighting for our rights and telling our stories which i think is a really interesting quote um, and one that i do agree with and then she went on to say quote in just one day on march 8th the florida senate passed the don't say gay bill which was signed into law this past week the South Dakota Senate passed a bill that bans discussion of divisive concepts like race and sex in college courses. The Idaho House of Representatives passed a bill that would send librarians to jail if they let minors check out books that include LGBTQ topics. And the New Jersey Supreme Court denied an appeal that would bar a religious organization from offering so-called conversion therapy. All in one day. Um, so we're in a really kind of scary place for LGBTQ people um, and the community. And I think it's important to put all of those things together into one sentence and say, this is what's happening in our country. And we really do need to stand against it and, and make these things very clear. So whether it's malicious compliance or us talking about it here and making those things known or Sarah Kate Ellis giving that speech in Hollywood, I think this is something we can't we can't joke off or like 
disregard because it's a really kind of terrifying thing for all of these people. Um, and that's not even to mention all of the things going down in Texas right now with uh, anti-trans bills and um, candidates for, for various offices who have been extremely vocal recently. Um, it's, <clears throat> it's quite scary. Um, and especially what they're, what they're doing to education, um, refusing teachers the right to actually teach what needs teaching and being the compassionate kind of person that a lot of kids can turn to, um, allowing parents to decide when students or when kids know these things is not really a good idea. Not all parents are good people or knowledgeable even they might be good people but they might just not be knowledgeable about these things um and it's not like anyone's teaching your your five-year-old like how anal sex works like that's not what's happening it's just an acknowledgement that that heteronormativity is not the default um and it's a really dangerous thing to to hide that away from children i think um so disney dragging their feet, uh, Chapek not making a statement until after it was signed into law. It's all pretty disheartening and abysmal. Um, that got real depressing. It did. But Sorry. it was an e excellent summary and it was worth us touching upon these points and I'm glad you did in such an eloquent manner. Um, I'm also glad that um yeah we have you for this kind of detail but also this kind of passion film that was that was very good and um i know it must be depressing for you not only as you know <laughs> a sane human being who's watching this shit go down but also as a historian who has to deal with the fact that that's why we study history is so we can learn from this kind of shit and yet we keep repeating it so it must be extra annoying for yourself this this one really hurts honestly because we we've settled these issues before everything recently hurts. And I know everybody's feeling it like the, who was it? The uh, house representative, I think last week questioned whether um, interracial marriage should be a federal yeah. law. Like it's 2022. Can we please agree that people have basic human rights that go beyond just the like bill of rights? Can we, can we, can we acknowledge that we're not allowed to decide these things for other people, how they live their lives, whom they love? Like, it's really fucking depressing. And McCarthyism is a phenomenon to study, absolutely. And it, a lot of people who are communist or identified as communist in that time, it was a very moral kind of stance for them um, and still is for a lot of people. And it was a personal political thing, but it was a political thing. It was about your politics and how you think a government should be run. This is about individual people living their lives and loving whom they love. And that just is taking the McCarthyism paradigm, which was evil in itself. I said earlier that Elia Kazan was violent by naming names at his HUAC testimony. McCarthyism was a violent, evil time that was condemning people for their political ideology that wasn't even in effect in the US. It 
the the communist party never really had a, a real standing or candidate it was never a, an actual threat to anything in the u.s government at a federal level and this is just so much worse it's taking that evil paradigm and making it just oh my god something individually abhorrent um uh, there's no no representatives of Ilya Kazana here. I just I just want to say here, he invented uh, method acting in the actor's studio. Just to... Ronald Reagan did that actually. Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was the very first actor to be a method actor. Oh, but Ilya he... Kazana was not an actor. No, but no, it was it was it was Reagan. Well, at least Reagan thinks it was him, and he is quoted as saying it was him. And people have credited him with it, but not not a surprise that right out the gate here, Vaughn would be batting for Ronald Reagan. Things just don't change. We can do any kind of episode we want, and it always come back down to Vaughn defending Ronald Reagan. Always, yeah, defending it's, it's, she's like with Reagan the way we are with Nixon. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. which is which is fair. I mean, he's definitely like a third or fourth choice on like Republican sort of ladder. I mean, he's not Nixon, but I, c- I can see why you were drawn to him. Reagan is the reason we have a don't say gay bill in Florida right now. I wonder what ne- Reagan's stance would be on that. Well, what's, what was Reagan like in terms of... Uh, pretty good well, on... In terms of education, Reagan, Reagan wanted an America first kind of agenda. And I do believe that Reagan would probably back don't say gay because of um, how he handled the AIDS epidemic. Oh, yeah, and yeah, literally refusing to say gay or AIDS in his administration um, until it was kind of too late. I think he would be all fucking for a don't say gay bill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's I was right. going to say, he's pretty good on the old anti-gay stuff, so I think he'd be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's right at the forefront there. Yeah, he, he's, he's definitely one of the leaders. Right, shall we move on to the actual news story of the last decade? century lifetime hard to hard to put this in context if you don't know what i'm talking about donald trump released a a press release after he got a hole in one while playing golf so this is obviously of huge significance and does kind of put everything else we've talked about kind of in a shadow um i'll just read you a quote here many people are asking so i'll give it to you now it is 100 true uh, despite there being rather strong winds, um, yep, uh, the ball bounced twice and then went clank into the hole. These, so he's playing with some tour players. I think Ernie Els was one of them. Uh, and he, he continues on. These great tour players noticed it before I did because their eyes are slightly better. But on that one hole only, their swings weren't. God, he's so poetic. Um, According to the Trump International uh, Golf Club website, the seventh hole involves water element, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it was a, a par, par three where um, he was able to, to get this hole one. And Trump ended his statement uh, by saying he wouldn't disclose who won the game. I won't tell you who won because I am a very modest individual. And you will then say I was bragging. And I don't like people who brag, he said. So not only is he a golfing genius, he's also a very humble and modest man. <laughs> Guys, how important is this news story, and how, how much how much does it sort of bring to light what a great man Donald Trump is? 
Well, I mean, in terms of uh, feats of strength, I think he's uh, he's starting to outpace even Putin. I think <laughs> uh, uh, P- Putin has many f- feats of strength. Right, uh, riding horses. Um, Putin had a famously uh, Bush uh, had a dog, and uh, and Putin said said to Bush, "No, no, that's that's a small dog." And Putin brought out a bigger dog, and that was uh, I think that's one of uh, Putin's feats of strength. Putin, Putin has many feats of strength, but uh, Trump, Trump, I think Trump is starting to outpace him. Um, and uh, it's important that the the tour players were there because obviously you know to verify yep adds and legitimacy to it adds, yeah, adds legitimacy but not that it requires any uh legitimacy. no no of course not that's uh yeah, legitimacy is is a, is a social construct but uh no yeah i think it's really it's really important um that, that trump is trump is able to do this it, it shows his vitality especially uh coming into the next uh, election uh, as mm-hmm. well, uh, he's leading uh, both Biden and Kamala Harris in the polls. Good. Good. Also, um, I think uh, Pete is going to need to learn how to golf. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the campaign trail. I, yeah. No, I just I think it's, it's wonderful that, that, that Trump's doing this. On when you think about sort of historical moments from presidents, would you say this is ahead of the Gettysburg Address as far as just? something that our president was able to the lincoln do. douglas debates yeah <laughs> lincoln's got nothing on trump it's funny, yeah. it's funny. I, I do think 20 the 2016 republican uh debates were better than lincoln douglas debates just in terms of like yeah I, I think both in tone and content i think you're right there toby uh von uh, you've been silent so far on this issue i'm sure you have a lot to say uh, what is your initial reaction to this? I wish he would stop talking at us. I want less of him. <laughs> Just so much less. The two statements that he's put out recently are, I got a hole in one and Putin, can you do me a favor though? And it's yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking Just leave. Just stop, man. Fuck. He is inspirational, isn't he? <laughs> He's going to be our next president, Vaughn. I mean, if he's going to be our next president, polls are correct. Fucking mind. Just... It's funny. Like if he was, if he was like three years younger, he would definitely be our next president. Yeah. It's only the this age thing that is still making me think that these guys can't really, like, legitimately, he could become the next president. No, absolutely. And then... And oh, then, because because he is the leader of the Republican Party, and there is no other exactly. Leader. I swear and to then, God, he's he's going to run with DeSantis, and I'm going to move back to the states to campaign against them. Well, there's uh, been rumors that it'll be him versus DeSantis, and it'll get very nasty, and that would be a wonderful thing to watch. Um, yeah, because I think DeSantis will run. Um, yeah, so it's it's whether or not they will like genuinely run. They're against gonna him. they're gonna go against each other in the primary, but DeSantis is definitely gonna join his ticket. Oh yeah, he absolutely mm-hmm. wants to run. Yeah. So, do we think? Um, but what are the Democrats gonna do? I mean, it's just... like, are they gonna have to get Joe Biden to play more golf? I mean, how how do you possibly sort of win against the man and get a hold? And then one? Biden's uh, approval ratings are in the thirties, right? Still, are they or? They're not. They're not good. I haven't checked it recently, but I do know that last I saw, they were in the forties. But it wouldn't surprise me if they're in the thirties. Yeah. Oh God. Oh. God. Yeah. 
And like, are we Audrey's... sleeping into disaster here? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I know sleep... we haven't done a politics episode in a while, but let's see. we are sleepwalking into the fact that um, we are going to have Putin and Trump basically taking on Ukraine together, and uh, we're going to have like Trump withdraw America from basically any sort of you know ties with any kind of ally- allies that we we take for granted. So. We are in a unbelievably dangerous position now where if Trump wins, um, yeah, like actual existence is at stake. <laughs> so, um, yeah, good luck to America. I used That's- to think, sorry, Vaughn, I was going to say just very quickly before you, yeah. I used to think that, that there would be a, a topic that would come up sometimes and it would say, should like non-Americans be able to vote in the American election because it's like so important? And I, but no, no, it's, it's an American election. Like Americans should vote, and now uh, because of Trump, I've actually changed my tune. I'm like, actually, no, we can't really allow Americans to to vote on these things. Like, but then I look at like who English people vote for all the time, and it's like, oh, I wouldn't give any, I wouldn't give English people a, a vote either. So, um, I'm not really sure who who should actually be allowed to vote. Um, and we know the Academy are terrible at voting for things because they always give the Oscars to the wrong people. So maybe what we should do is just have no voting and um, just you know. Have Putin in charge. Uh, sorry, Vaughn, on you go. I mean, Grant, I was just going to say, I don't think we are sleepwalking. I think everybody's very aware. Like, Oh, sorry, I mean this podcast was sleepwalking. Into yes. Um, yeah, because, you know, we got the midterms with the, with the energy prices and Biden's lack. I don't think, I don't think he's had a lack, lackluster policy agenda or anything i think they, they fought pretty hard but i don't know i mean i it just i don't know and the kamala harris is I, simon's proving completely right about kamala harris so right that he yeah. that the onion memes and stories get posted and, and they're completely accurate about kamala yeah. harris is terrible she was never a serious politician she was chosen for the wrong reasons there were better candidates out there and she is a nothing politician and she shouldn't be vice president and she's not going to help at all in the midterms or in the 2016, no, sorry, 20, whatever elections, 2024 uh, elections we're going to have. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm as sorry as anyone else. that I. How old is Biden going to be? When uh, 175. Oh, God. <laughs> isn't, he, isn't he pushing 80 now? He's pushing 80. I mean, and he, he also he, he also doesn't have that youthful glow that um, Trump has, you know, because he Trump has that sort of natural swimmer's physique. Yeah, he's uh, very... <laughs> he'll he'll be eighty this November. Yeah, oh. so he'll be into his eighties campaigning for twenty twenty four. Like that is not a good situation. And then you've got Kamala, who is nothing, and then you've got what Mayor Pete. Oh my um, God, I hate everything. I'm so depressed. Oh, oh, this is good news because people have been talking about Hillary Clinton running again. And that's fantastic. Fuck you. <laughs> so, God damn it. So, so we can finally have a Yas Queen as, as president. Toby, how excited are you for round two of Clinton versus Trump? No, no, I can't No, no. Um, John Ossoff, like, can we get Ossoff in? Michelle there? Obama, that's who it's going to be. Oh, it's the like, I'm, 
no, because to be honest, like, I would say that uh, Michelle Obama should run if there isn't anyone else because she's she's well liked by everyone. Yeah. I think I think it's weird this whole thing with the families keep running spouses of presidents and stuff. You know, e- either way, but yeah, Michelle Obama definitely would should definitely run if things get like yeah, she's like the fail safe for the Democrats. I think absolutely. Yeah, I all, all jokes aside, she would actually be better than like. Quite possibly it would be Trump. Yeah, she would ignite the base in a way which would mean that Democrats probably wouldn't vote for, um, or I mean, the de- Democrat sort of society. Um, although saying that they do love the Obamas still, so maybe they maybe they would. But um, yeah, sorry, Von, on you go. I would get behind Kelly Porter, um, a representative from California, or Stacey Abrams. Aren't they saying the governor of California might run? Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom, yeah. Oh God. Well, I don't. I mean, I... That's not awful. That that wouldn't be absolutely terrible. But haven't we learned our lesson with presidents from California? By that one. Yeah, I mean, all of them are cute, and they win two elections. Well, well yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> cute. <laughs> I mean, Nixon won like four elections, so uh... <laughs> he did. He did. He won sixty. He won sixty-eight. He won seventy-two, and he won seventy-six. I don't know what more you could want from someone. You also got to give him fifty-two. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well, let's be honest. The, the voters, they, the, they were voting for the vice president on that. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about a six-time uh, winner here, Vaughn. Ah, yeah. Okay, um, this kind of got off the rails from a press release about Trump, but I'm glad we've got into it, and I, I'm now glad that we're all realizing what's ahead for when we start doing politics episodes in a year or two um, around the next election, <laughs> the return of Trump. This might be a better sequel than Terminator Two. If, um, if stop get... it, they're like human rights and lives at stake. <laughs> like, <laughs> <God> damn it. <laughs> Well, yeah. don't worry. You can move back to the States and vote for Hillary Clinton. It'll be okay. Stop, don't even fucking joke. That sounds <laughs> horrible. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, shall we finish up there before Vaughn really gets upset? Before I like genuinely burst into tears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Toby, let's take this offline with our conversations about uh, Nixon winning six elections. I think there's probably a book in that. No, no, no um, definitely. 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 Two, two books, two books. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a series there. We could do a book about each, each election one. Uh, right, okay. Um, we shall have another, another episode for you guys in the near future, and we shall be getting more into the George W. Bush series soon. Um, from Toby, from Vaughn, from Hillary Clinton, and from myself, Simon. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, yeah, take care. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.